It's time for Glover's Golden Oldies. A look back at some of the Glover's heroes from recent years. Well, good evening and welcome to Glover's Golden Oldies. And this week, we're delighted to welcome back, actually, in this case, Mr. Jimmy Agri. And Jimmy wants to talk to us about the very current topic of mental health within the football community. Jimmy Agri, welcome to the show again. Thanks, Adrian. Thank you, mate. Um, Jim, last week on our podcast, we, we spent a bit of time talking about mental health issues, which has you know become quite a, a talking point within football. Uh, and I wondered if you could perhaps add your take on it because you've been involved in football for a long time now and you obviously know the ins and outs of, of what's going on and and how these mental mental health issues can affect a footballer absolutely um it's a really really good question to, to pose and it's at the forefront of um, many people's lips at the moment in um, all walks of life football is a is a huge the biggest game in the world it's their thought for it has a massive pull in terms of um, reaching out to people now I don't think some of the, the fans and people outside of football understand the pressures. Yeah, most footballers are privileged or, or, or deemed to be privileged in certain ways. But um, things, i.e. like there's cultural things there, there's injuries, there's there's this, the trolling now on the social media, which wasn't there when I played. Um, there's a minefield of, of potential hazards and triggers for, for many, many players um, playing the game now. And I think that we have to kind of look at it, which in essence, football is looking at it more and it should have done a long time ago, but um, it's better, better late than never. And I think with what Prince William's trying to do now with the Heads Up campaign with the FA is fantastic because it's raising massive awareness. And the programme he did with the likes of Peter Crouch, um, Thierry Henry, Jermaine Genus, it, it, it highlighted that these players haven't spoken in this way for fear of being deemed weak mm. and um and that's a massive massive thing and i think that's a that's a social thing as well i think that's it was in um around the world for many many years you know years ago where you had to have a stiff upper lip and get on with it and don't moan and people suffered in silence and i think now there's a many many platforms to, to to voice how you feel and not to be scared to be deemed as weak and it potentially um impacting your performance or you being picked or your next contract or how you're deemed by fans so um i think now that you know especially in men it's a good conversation to have so i mean how do you deem the difference between so i get up in the morning and i feel a bit brassed off for no specific reason now would you class that as being mental health issues or or is it just that i'm feeling a bit fed up that particular day well it's a really hard question you know and and there's lots of specialists and um lots of professionals who you could answer that question no doubt better than I can. But I think, yes, we all know that we all are going to suffer. Not all of us, but majority of us will suffer some kind of mental health issue in our lives. You know, life is not a walk in the park and there's many things that happen outside of your job and in your personal life. But if you wake up in the morning and you don't feel great, yeah, some days you're going to feel down about a certain thing or something's happened or there's some kind of trauma. That's just life. But I think it's um, on a deeper level when, when it, it starts to affect um, your day-to-day life, your thinking, your you know, socialising, your your work, and your loved ones and your family and mm. yourself. And so I think that we, we also know when it's prolonged, if this hopefully someone's got, who's suffering, has got someone around them, and we could all potentially spot triggers, because I think we all have to be aware of this in life um, to a point where we can spot certain things, you know, uh, as opposed to say, you know, oh, just get over it, you'll be okay. Do you, but, not, um, think, also, do you not think, though, Jim, that, that most of us, uh, I mean, you know, are we, are we likely to come across somebody that's um, 
I don't know, let, let's be drastic and say suicidal every day of the week. Well, the chances are the answer to that is no, we're not. So therefore, I'm just wondering how, how easy it is to spot if somebody's going through problem areas. And if they won't discuss it with you, then obviously they're holding it all to themselves. And the reason I, I say that is a friend of my son's actually has, has, um, has suffered just really badly and, and, and tried to commit suicide. And, and when you hear about it, and, not, and you know, I know the guy concerned, it's it's frightening, it's, it's horrible, you know? But it's not yeah. something you come across every day of the week. So how are you supposed to look out for it? Well, that's a difficulty in it as well. You, you, can't, you can't really. It's really hard because it depends if the person's willing to disclose. Mm. And all what can happen is that there's more avenues for every, every person um, to be able to kind of go somewhere, um, you know, discreetly and speak to someone and get help. Mm. And, and then it's kind of, there has to be the, the resources there and the, and the facility there for these people who are suffering to go and speak to somebody. And with the footballers, you know, footballers are in a, and ex-footballers as well, we're in a privileged position because there is the, the sporting chance there. There is you know, the PFA mm. uh, where, you know, Mickey Bennett's created something fantastic there with, with the PFA um, over many years now. And the PFA are there in, in that way. So, but with the, the normal civilian, it's 18 weeks if you're lucky to be mm. seen by somebody mm. we need to have we need to have more you know things implemented in that way to help people sooner because we're going to lose more people and in men especially men don't really talk about it so like you said you may not know the triggers you may be deemed fine to you when you see them yeah. but there needs to be things there where they can go speak to someone discreetly and get help quickly and that's what we've got to try and lobby for in government and work for really okay let's have the first of jimmy's selection and that is jimmy mac by martha reeves and the vandellas Dude. 
let's be more specific then, Jim. You, you've been in football for a long time. You played for Chelsea, for Fulham, for Torquay, for Taunton, for Yeovil Town, of course, TNS, Woking. You've been around. Now, I mean, you know, what facilities did you come across during your period of time? I know it's, you know, you haven't played for a few few years now, but it's not that far ago. Um, you know, what did you find the, uh, the situation was like at clubs like that? Well, you know, during the start of my career, there was there was nothing there. There, was, there wasn't even safeguarding, to be honest, um, in terms of safeguarding young players. Mm. Anyway, let alone dealing with mental health. You know, this is only 20-odd years ago. So dealing with that, it's still we still had the mentality in this country of get on with it. There were certain acts in place, you know, the Mental Health Act, you know, 1983 and whatnot. But um, in the same breath, it, it was a it was the same situation as it was prior to that, you know, during, before the war and just people's shell shock and, and PTSD that weren't dealt with. And I think it carried on only till now if things got better but during those days there was nothing implemented there there was no um, nothing with the the PFA the sports insurance hadn't been born then um, and people basically players could not go to anybody mm. and I saw many many players um, suffer mental health issues yeah. and could not go to anybody outside of the game which affected their game and also within the sport and, and that's even prior to social media so there was nothing there not one not one thing in that way so this is why I think it's been taken a while but it's been Im- implemented at the highest echelons and Prince William's the, the kind of the front runner in this but yeah I think something should have been done before that but I mean looking but, back on it I mean um, I, I guess most of us will probably say well the first time that, that we really became aware of it was with, with uh, Tony Adams and Paul Merson uh, they had their problems now I mean would you class those as mental health issues well you, you know what that's a yeah, yeah yeah to a certain extent yeah because we can put all the all the stuff involved with um, with money and success and say well you know why should they be suffering for this they're earning good money they're, they're doing something they love every boy's dream and whatnot. Mm. and um, you know I wouldn't like to kind of speak for, for, for Tony or, or Paul Merson but because they wouldn't know what they're going through themselves I mean, I do admire them for coming out and disclosing what they were going through. Um, and I would never know the pressures of what they fully, fully were going through being at the top level for that long. But um, we've got to be careful as well because there is there is other people out there in the world that are struggling um, in, in many, many ways, you know, without having that sort of platform to go and disclose and get that support. So it's been a good thing because they would have started something within sport which would filter down to, to normal civilian life in the country for the people. So, yeah, I mean, that, that's, a, that's a difficult one, but there's never a right or wrong answer for that. It's down to the individuals and how they felt. But I admire them. With, yeah, with, with the PFA, I know that, um, that Mickey Bennett created a wellbeing facility within the, the PFA, mm. and um, the PFA have gone to, to many, many strides to, to try and deal with um, the mental health side of things, addiction and whatnot, and help players, and, and you know, allow the facility for players to access the service where they can see um, a therapist or whatnot. So since that's been in place, I think that's been um, a, a fantastic opportunity for for players and to go forward and, and disclose discreetly um section um, about how they're suffering um and, and, I, and i think although yes players are in privileged positions but i think this is needed because they are also deemed as role models and they're going to suffer too so I, I think within football the, the pfa have been very very um clever in allowing mickey bennett to create this he's doing great work yeah um, and he's and he's got a team beneath him that are doing great work. So I think it's always onwards and upwards. But I do commend the PFA for that. I mean, do you think the fact that footballers have always got so much spare time? I mean, you know, I've, I've watched players at Yeovil, for example. I mean, they come in at I don't know ten, ten thirty. They train in the morning. They probably finish by two, and then off they go. I mean, you know, what do you do in the afternoon? Play snooker? I don't know. Go to the betting shop? And is that the sort of start of the of the, uh, the slippery slope, so to speak? Well, you, you know, I, I think there's many footballers who have that same kind of time. 
timetable in that way. So if that was the case, then everybody would be on a slippery slope. I think it depends on the individual. I mm. think it depends on the person and, and how they fill their time. Yeah. Um, some are, most players are away from home, away from their families. Some players have got kids and families, so it, it helps. But mm. some of the, most of the players are young, without kids and, and a partner. So they've got a lot of spare time on their hands. It depends on what's your kind of, what's your tipple. Do, do you like, if you, are you a gambler or whatever it may be? And I think you can't tell um, grown adults what to do. It no. depends on the players. But, you know, that that's a kind of a byproduct of what, what can you do with that? The club aren't there to babysit the players. It depends on what they want to do in, in, with their spare time. But yeah, that, that can cause a young player to have a lot time in his hands and disposable money and whatnot it, it can be difficult you, you need a good system around you and that's where I think having a you know, mentoring mentorship within football can be very helpful especially for the young players the older players they may not you know need that some may but with the young players having um, sort of a guiding figure who's been there played that's where I think a lot of ex-pros can get involved in that and clubs should implement it and it could be a prerequisite soon would be amazing more music now we've got Bob Marley and Natural Mystic
going back to the, the football side of things in the PFA in particular um, there's been an awful lot of talk and I know this is slightly off beam but it's kind of related to the Jeff Astle situation of heading the ball and dementia or you know brain damage from heading the ball etc and this, the football league seems uh, not the football league the uh, PFA seems to have been a little bit slow in reacting to that what's what's your thoughts on that? No I'm not really massively versed in, in, in that and there's been you know there's been lots of tests and scientifically proved that it can contribute to, to make dementia and whatnot um, and, I, and I think it must be a, a hard task for the PFA although they're well aware of, of um, what's going on what's happened and the, the, the results from the tests and stuff um, and I think it's a case of the PFA and the FA coming together mm. and um, do, doing something together. It's not solely down to just the PFA. I think all the, all the kind of um, institutions and associations within football need to come together regarding this because that, that in, the, in essence, is going to kind of change the game. Obviously, with heading not being, not taking place, mm. that's affecting. But I think we've got to need to look at, yeah, we need to address it and I'm sure they, they will do. Um, and I think the PFA aren't alone in that. They need to have. They need to be everybody within football. But, um, but I mean, this. you know, when you, when you look at it, I mean, they say that that you know, mental health can be contributed to by. I think I'm right in saying this: um, a disbalance within your brain. Um, you know, things start going wrong. Actually, you know, and it's it is an illness like having the flu albeit it's a lot more serious um you know <clears throat> do you think that football tends to think it can only happen to them and that, that people outside are well they're they're immune from it we're footballers and we've got all the attributes to uh, to end up having mental health issues yeah I, I think you know now with um, the way mental health is kind of being addressed i do think there's a bigger awareness on it but I, you know in the same breath with with players around my era and just below the older players playing, playing now, the sort of the senior players, you do go in with a bit of invincibility, like mm. a, a complex where that may not happen to me. You're going out to battle. I mean, the adrenaline's flowing and whatnot. And you're playing a game, a, mm. a match where you have to compete. So and in the long, in, when you're playing, you don't look at the long run, the long-term effects or what the future in terms of the continual heading of a ball. And um, it hasn't really massively been changed in terms of ruling in football. So you, players will carry on doing what they've got to do. But there, there is a fact, yeah, I, I would say, um, football's like us, I know, and myself, I wouldn't have considered that when I played. And um, so, yeah, it, it depends on the ruling. The ruling will help it because players will then have to adhere to not heading the ball. But I don't mm. know how that can work no. you know, in that way. It, it, players will never shirk out of a challenge or go or say, no, I can't do that because I may get dementia you know, later on in my life. They will go at the time playing, go for that challenge or head the ball and carry on within the rules of the game. But it, it does seem it does seem rather I was going to say sad that you know football the game that, that millions and millions of people are involved in whether they're playing or whether they're watching or whether they're working um, and suddenly you know we've become aware that this problem exists and it exists perhaps I don't know I don't know what the figures are in terms of you know relation to other people but it seems as though there seems to be a prevalence of it within football more music now and we've got. Marvin Gaye and I heard it through the gate, Brian.
Marvin Gaye there, and I heard it through the grapevine. Yeah, I mean, what do you, what, what do you feel about that? I mean, do you think there is a prevalence within football? Yeah, I, I do. I, I do. I think, you know, um, obviously I, I can't tell scientifically, but there's going to be, you know, there's evidence there. And if you're heading the ball on the frontal lobe part of your brain consistently, you know, I know the balls are much lighter than years ago. When Jeff Astle played and those balls were heavy, you would know better than me, Adrian, in that way that the balls were heavy then. And you're trying to suggest I'm old or something, Jimmy? No, I'm, I'm just saying you, you've, got, you've got a good mind for history. Good brain. <laughs> <laughs> I'm only winding you up, mate. Don't worry. No, I, I know. But um, you know, years ago, these balls are so much more heavier, but still there's going to be some form of damage. It, it's yeah. just it's scientifically correct. And that is quite sad. You're right. It is sad in that way. But what, what, what do you do in that way? And, and that's why I think that, you know, it's very, very difficult. I think it needs the powers that be to, to assist the PFA in that way. Did I mean, there's a lot of blame being placed on the PFA, but we have to look at it in a whole rounded hmm. arena. Did you find when you, you finally hung up your boots, did you find it a difficult situation then in, in, in your own circumstances as to, to adapt again, to, to, you know, to reinvent yourself, as it were? Yeah, yeah, difficult. Yeah, very difficult because that's all you've you've known and you've you've tried as much as you can and you've throughout your career to do the best you can. And um and also when you retire it's a kind of a, a situation where you think, Okay, what do I do next? And I mean many players find themselves in that position and many players have been fortunate and some haven't. So I I think it's a difficult transition and most players who've retired have, have said that openly, that they've they found it very tough to have the everyday routine. Um, timetable and the next minute it's, it's gone mm. as, as well as you know having a contract and, and earning money to, to to pay bills and whatnot and some are more fortunate than others but um, those at a lower level will have to go and get a job mm. or look mm. at another so how do you reinvent yourself you've done that for such a young age and then you're now in civilian world where it's totally different because mm. football is a bubble we know that and um, to come out of it and go and now go in civilian world where things are totally different a very very difficult thing if you do not decide to stay in football and if you're lucky to get a coaching role how does it fulfill you because you can't be anything nothing could um, could compare to to playing so yeah it's very difficult last one of Jimmy's choices now we've got Sheik and everybody done Thank you. 
Everybody dance. So, Jim, what would what would your message be to to footballers, ex footballers, young youngsters just starting up in the game? What would your message be to them to, to to how to compensate for this and how to how to react to it if you feel that you're perhaps slipping into some sort of a uh, depression? I think my message would be to be um, to be open to speaking to to somebody. Um, ex footballers and players are very privileged in getting and being able to access a service via the PFA and Sporting Chance um, to get help straight away immediately. Mm. And I think the players have to use that facility and access and access the service in a way where get the help for themselves and their family and they're not alone. You know, a lot of people, especially men, like I said before, don't disclose that they, they share changing together and you would never know what they're feeling deep down. Um, it will be, it's private, it's under GDPR, so it's not to be spoken of. You're not to be looked upon mm. as, as weak, or you're a failure. It won't affect your your um your position in the club, your contract. It's open now. This discussion can be open now, and people are aware of it. It won't affect you in that way. So please talk. You're not alone. We'll go and get the access to help you can from Sporting Chance, or PFA. Mickey Bennett and his team are fantastic, and that's all I would say. Don't don't suffer in silence and don't suffer on your own. Well, thank you, Jimmy. It's uh, it's interesting. It's important issue that we we really need to highlight which we hopefully we'll we'll be doing it by by doing this interview and um you know i can only echo what you've said that that please if you feel in the slightest way that you're uh, perhaps suffering in some way seek help don't don't worry about it don't feel you know inferior because you've got to ask for help just go and do it so thank you jimmy for joining us um 
I think we've uh, certainly highlighted the problem and let's hope that it'll do some good. Absolutely, my pleasure. And we can only do this to, for the greater good to yeah. help and, and to make sure that you know, people that suffer in silence and there's help out there. Um, switching to football just for a minute before we, we say goodbye to you. Um, you've obviously been watching Yeovil a little bit and you, you can see they're doing rather well at the moment. What's your thoughts on that? I just hope Yeovil can, can get back up um, you know, into the league and, and carry on because you know, obviously being part of the 2002-2003 um, league winning team, I always look at the club with a great affiliation and um, affection. So keep going, keep going get back up to that league and get back to where you, you belong and keep pushing on. I mean, it's been, been a set, many changes at the club, so long may it continue in terms of success and get this season out of the way and get up. Great. Thanks, Jimmy. Well, it's been a great uh, pleasure talking to you. Um, pity it's such a, a, a rather disturbing <laughs> subject matter, but nonetheless, um, it's got to be done. It's got to be brought out into the open, and thanks for doing that. My pleasure, mate. It's time for Glover's Golden Oldies. A look back at some of the Glover's heroes from recent years. Good evening. 